Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, and I am thrilled to be having more guests on the show. I, I'm I'm always grateful to have uh, performers, people who are interested in mental health, um, audience members, whoever wants to come on the show. I want to talk to you about what you're interested in. So um, today is an especially uh, exciting day because I have Tristan Miller who is also helping me out with editing the show. So Tristan, thank you so much for all the work that you've been doing and, and helping me keep this thing going. It's been a while, um, and I'll, I will tell that story on a different episode. Um, <laughs> but I'm very excited to have you on and very excited to be talking about Don't Think Twice, which is a 2016 comedy drama written and directed by Mike Birbiglia and starring Birbiglia, Keenan, uh, excuse me, Keegan-Michael Key, Jillian Jacobs, Kate Micucci, Tommy Sager and Chris Geddard. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a wonderful film. I was lucky enough to see a screening and then a, a Q&A with Mike Probilia afterwards. So this is a, a movie that I hold very dear to my heart for a lot of different reasons. Um, yeah. So Tristan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Happy to be here. Um, I saw this movie uh, for the first time a couple of months ago, actually. Um, yeah, it was this last in 2019 sometime. So uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Before all this stuff has been going on well, for <laughs> the, sure. last, yeah. the last couple of months. Right. Yeah. Um, when, uh, yeah. When improv still felt important in any way. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um, so this movie goes deep into the world of improv, which I, I mean, it kind of. I don't know if you feel this way. It's kind of treated like the the, the redheaded stepchild of the comedy and performing world. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like inside jokes. Um, if you don't know about improv, you're not necessarily going to catch some of the weird things that they, you know, do and talk about with each other. And, mm -hmm. it, and it definitely hits on some sort of like stereotypes about improv troops. Um, not that they're wrong necessarily, but it's interesting to watch. So, yeah. Yeah. So. And I, I, you know, having rewatched this uh, during the time of COVID, you know, I, I'm I'm interested to kind of see um, and talk to you about sort of through that framework of, you know, this is an improv troupe, the commune in the movie, mm -hmm. who <laughs> goes through some things that you know naturally now performers are going through as well as a result of, you know, theaters being closed and um, you know questions about how we will move forward with with live performances and group gatherings and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, lots of good stuff. So, um, but before we do that, I would love if, if you would just kind of introduce yourself for people who don't know you and and the stuff that you're working on right now. Sure, I am Tristan Miller. I am five eight. Um, I uh, I am a comedian and actor um, and podcaster. I have two podcasts that are frequently updated. A couple other ones. Oh, actually, I'm coming out with a new one that I should probably plug. Um, awesome. Yeah, by the time of this release, it'll have come out. It's called Focus Testing. I do it with my friend Tucker Daly Johnson. Um, we make up a movie based off of a random prompt. So it's an improv comedy nice. podcast. I love that. Yeah. And then the other one is called Amateur Detective Club, uh, where we review mystery media. But we are going through the Agatha Christie's Poirot series right now, along with nice. a few other things. And that's been really, really fun. And that one um, is appropriate for more or less all ages. It's like got a PG rating. So if Great. you and your kids want to watch Poirot together and listen to a <laughs> podcast, you know, wholesome 
family time with murder. Um, yeah, my daughter's not quite to Poirot. Um, <laughs> we're still working through most of the Disney Plus, but, mm-hmm. but I, I have <laughs> hopes that we're going to get into some deeper storytelling. Here's hoping, yeah. Um, and then I do one that I think y'all should would be interested in, which is Positive and Negative, which is an interview podcast about uh, mental health and the arts specifically. And I've had a lot of great guests on that talking about their experience with mental health and how it's affected their creative processes. Um, and then I do a series of video essays, which is very similar to this, uh, the, the, the idea yeah. of this uh, podcast, actually. It's called Mental Health in the Media. And I take a piece of media and I look at look at the representations of mental health or how we can use what this piece of media has to say about learning more about mental health. For example, the first one is about Stranger Things and there's a, mm. a metaphor you can make between um, uh, the, who I don't remember his first name, the Byers kid, um, you know, having all these visions. Will, is it Will? Yeah, yeah Will Byers yeah. Yeah. and him having all these um you know, visions of this other place yeah. with someone who has like, and is going through some sort of episode and how his friends treat him and that sort of thing. And they learn and grow to accept what he's actually like. For sure. And one you just put out community or is that com- coming out soon? That, um, I think by the time this, uh, yeah, this will, that'll have been out. Yeah, it will have been out. Um, awesome. as of this recording, it has not been, but it will be probably by the time you <laughs> get this one out. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's you know a lot of, a lot of good stuff, and I, I'm always excited. You know, any any more conversations, more people having doing what we're doing here, I get excited mm-hmm. about. So, I'm, um, that stuff's really cool, and I like I like how you're doing the video because it's like you can you're watching what you've seen before mm-hmm. with the context of what's um, what's happening. So it's I like that format. Very yeah, cool. um, it, they're really fun to edit once I get all the footage. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> yeah, and I want to thank you. You're a consultant on the um, the community, and hopefully moving forward. So I appreciate. Yeah, that. my pleasure. I, as you know, I love diving into the um, the sort of deep end of pop culture analysis. Um, yeah. So if people can have that sort of added context to what they're viewing, it's it's always something I get excited about. So happy yeah. to help. Yeah, I appreciate awesome. it. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so what we're going to do, actually, let's take a quick break um, for my sponsor, one of my sponsors, and we will jump right back in with Don't Think Twice. All right, so Don't Think Twice, um, written and directed by Mike Probiglia. If you don't know who Mike Probiglia is, he is one of, he's a stand-up primarily, mm-hmm. but also a storyteller. Um, a lot of his like Netflix specials and stand-up specials that he's done um, focus around a specific story or a specific thing that's going on in his life. Um, his most recent one is the new one. Um, yep. I think that's still on Netflix. Yep. Um, and that's all about his foray into fatherhood basically. Um, and it's awesome. I, I was lucky enough to see that live as well. He is an incredible storyteller. Yeah. Um, very and this, gifted. this movie's no exception mm-hmm. to that. Um, so as you said, you you watched this last year. I watched this uh, just last week just to kind of refamiliarize myself. So, you know, we, we get set up with the commune, an improv troupe in yeah. New York. There's a lot of parallels to some very real things in the real world. Um, I don't know if it's like specifically based on any specific improv troupe, but we can make some assumptions. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels very UCB adjacent. Yes. I'll say that. Yeah, and, and UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade, for people who don't know, um, 
I would say is much more successful than the portrayal of this particular improv <laughs> troupe. For sure. Um, you know, they, yeah. uh, they are in they're they're performing in this small, um, independent theater, which we quickly find out is being shut down. Um, yeah. I guess because of financial reasons, it's, it's being bought out for a, uh, um, oh man, what's the store that's coming? It's very stereotypical. Um, urban outfitters, of course, <laughs> is taking over the perfect. theater, of course. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the theater is is getting sold. So they are doing sort of like a last two weeks of shows. Um, and for people, again, who are not familiar with improv, they are doing um, long form. So they get one um, suggestion from their audience. Um, I believe it is uh, Jillian Jacobs's character who asks the audience, has anyone had a particularly rough day? Um, she goes, I think she's Sam or Samantha, right? Yeah. And they go from there. They do a, what I would presume is like a 45 or minute or hour long show based off that one suggestion and just all kind of chaos ensues from there. So that's improv. And then we learn more about these people and their lives. And, um, I would say a significant portion of them all live together. Yeah. Um, so it's just, <laughs> I, I, what I wanted to kind of start talking about you with you is, um, how much of this sort of uh, of lifestyle of work setup are you personally familiar with i have roomed with a bunch of uh, people in the past who sure who are in like similar career paths to me yeah and i must say i i currently room like i i currently live with my girlfriend who's a screenwriter um, oh cool yeah rather than an actor and having had that experience um do that don't <laughs> don't room with people who are in the same industry as you because this exact sort of thing happens is like yeah if someone gets you know spoiler for the show if someone gets yep. more successful than you yeah. a lot of animosity can be bred even if it's like a small amount of success i remember i had a roommate once who like i was going out on, on a lot of auditions and he's like i can't get auditions and i'm like well just mm change your attitude about it or something i don't know like that's not my fault sure you know yeah. and there's this weird sort of you know uh tension that you can get when you're yeah and and to different that. degrees all the members of the commune are either secretly or not so secretly hoping or, or wanting a larger stage more success right yeah whether it's mike billia's character miles who frequently talks about his sort of missed opportunities to make uh the basically the saturday night live ripoff weekend live um show he, he talks repeatedly about he was just inches inches away um from sort of getting the call up um and they all kind of make fun of him for that but they all obviously have desires of bigger things yeah and i Which... think that's a common thing for people as well i know you know even if i've done improv sort of on the side you always kind of have this like secret dream of i guess being discovered or like doing something mm -hmm. bigger somehow some way yeah um i can't remember what actor it was that said it but like anyone who's been in a school play has practiced their academy award speech in the shower 
I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it was Kevin Klein or something, you know, sure. and like, yeah, absolutely. No matter how, because like, I think that's a very natural human impulse to want yes. to be good at something that you're doing. I think it's, I meet people who are like, this is fine. And I, I do get a little like, buh about that. Yeah, like, don't yeah. you want to be the best you can be? Sure. Yeah, but I think there's there's something safe with, and I think this sort of theme comes out throughout the movie too, where it's it's nice and safe and comfortable just to kind of stay in your your improv troupe, mm, right? Mm-hmm. To not necessarily openly want more than that. And I, I can I can I can I can personally relate to that. I, you know, speaking of of like childhood, um, you know, class plays and things like that. That was the thing that I always secretly wanted to try out for, but never actually like built up the courage to do mm-hmm. it, really, because that's what it is. Um, and it was only later in life that I tried out for improv and took classes and that kind of stuff, and then really like got the bug for it. Um, much like some of the other characters, I think Sam in particular, um, Gillian Jacobs's character, she's sort of portrayed as this person who like was a hanger on of the troop basically and just kind of hang around, hung around long enough until they asked her to be in it. And then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's like the, the most enthusiastic person in the troop. But even though she gets an opportunity later in the movie to audition for weekend live, it, you know, she, I don't know if we, I don't want to say cracks under the pressure, but she sort of decides for herself that that's not what she wants. Yeah. I mean, and I think it, there's a lot of fear there and i also Mm. think she also coming from a place where she doesn't necessarily want to do it as a career and i think she says that at one point of like this is the thing i you know she seems to have that attitude of this is the thing i do for fun why would i you know kind of ruin it and i'll say this there is this weird specifically the comedy there's this weird sellout sort of Mm. um (laughs) yeah sort of thing of like which is it's like that's i think it's less so with like gen zers and millennials but specifically oh slightly older comedians than me and older improvisers really hey i still think have a chip on their shoulder vis-a-vis like selling out whereas like for me my attitude is always like well isn't this the thing you want to be doing for a living if you're pursuing it this much Mm. and if you want to be pursuing it this much like don't hold yourself back from success and i've known going back to like the roommate thing yeah, I, I've lived with people who are artists, but they feel ashamed for pursuing mm. art because it is like a silly as thing. their lifestyle, as their career. Yeah, yeah, it is. Admittedly, it is a silly thing to try and do. Like, <laughs> but like you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's all made up, and the points don't matter. But like, um, but if you want to do it, don't hate yourself for wanting to do it. You know, that's not going to help you or anybody else. Oh, for sure. You know. And I think there's a lot of that in this movie. A lot of like uh, people being worked up over their own, they're getting in their own way. Yeah. And it's interesting, the different characters, the the different degrees to which they're open and honest about wanting more mm. versus some of the sort of uh, the other characters who are sort of either very comfortable or, or sort of hold those desires more as a secret. Um, you know, I'm thinking in particular, um, both Chris Geddard's character and uh, Kate McCoochie's character. So that's Allison and Bill. Mm-hmm. I think both very much enjoy the improv, but both also kind of have these secret desires, whether it's um, Allison's character is um, she, she does drawing and she does sort of, she wants to yeah. do a 
um, like uh, a a kids book, right? Yeah, she just yeah, there's a kids book. There's other projects that she talks about. Um, there's the kids book, and then there's the graphic novel, something along oh, the lines. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she it's a, this is it's like a basically a self uh, an autobiographical story where. Mm. Um, it's a character who dreams of becoming a sculptor, leaves town to become a sculptor, but never becomes a sculptor. And like, that's yeah. the story. And it's just obviously very much about herself where she has these desires, but doesn't follow through on the, you know, on doing the work or, or finishing the projects. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's sort of all in this spectrum of how fervently are you fighting or pushing for the the dream to come true i guess versus sort of as you said doing it for fun yeah and there's nothing wrong with doing it for fun no no absolutely not of course and like i will say and you kind of see this with like the fact that gilliam jacobs character gets closer than anybody else besides keegan michael key yep like if you're doing it for fun and you're not really worried about it people respond to that in the industry if that makes sense Yes. Like people can really smell if you really want this thing and it turns yep. people off. So mm. if you like can pretend <laughs> to not care, yeah, which is so interesting. unfortunate. It's truly unfortunate. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, for me, for my attitude, and this was something I was taught in school is like, if you can go into an audition or something like that is like it with the attitude of like, they're looking for someone. And you are there to fix their problem of not having, like, they have to cast this thing. Right. They have to. It's their job. Yep. And you can make their job easier. And mm-hmm. if you go in kind of with that attitude rather than like a whole, like, oh, gosh, I really want this. Oh, and I'm sweating and stuff. It's like, no, I'm here to fix a problem. Just the way you would be like, if you had a, re- you know, any other regular job. working. Yeah. Regular job interview. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And like, I can do to- what you're looking for. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. I, I'm qualified for this position. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so for you and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you do all of your work as 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 your profession, as your, as your calling. I don't know exactly how you would refer to it, but but you do you are very much committed to you know, writing and creating and mm-hmm. performing as your as your career. Yeah. Yeah. And did you did you always want to do that? Was that always the goal? Um yeah, from a very early age, I I awesome. saw a few movies that really stuck with me growing up and I always like wanted to do it kind of like to what you were saying. I always wanted to try it, but then, um, you know, when you're growing up, you, you're told it's not really practical. So I was going to look into like journalism and then mm. maybe being an engineer and like, thank sure. God I didn't get a degree in journalism <laughs> because like, what is that now? But um, great question. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, sometimes I do often say, man, I just should have been a doctor, you know, hmm. a, a because it would be easier. I don't think it'd be easier. It'd be more secure. Like, well, okay. That's, so it's the security for yeah, sure. It's the, yeah. the financial um, thing. Yeah. And like a friend of mine, who's a comedian, she was a lawyer and then she got tenure as a professor got two mm. years into it and quit it to do stand-up comedy. Wow. And I'm like, you must really love stand-up. I don't think I can make that choice. But I meet a lot oh, of people. Oh, interesting. Like if yeah. you had something secure, leaving that for for the life of creation, for the life of, of stand-up and things mm-hmm. like that, you, you, you have a hard time seeing yourself doing that. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, because there have been moments where I've been financially secure and like secure mm. in my routine and like, it feels yep. good. And sure. but it's also one of those things of like, I'm sure I would have been like, okay, I can make both of these things work because mm. I'm also like a workaholic. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I am committed to that because of the fact that like, <laughs> at this point, it's like, well, I went into debt for this. Why would I back out now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a coward's way out. <laughs> Well, well, I, I would argue that you've invested enough that you kind of want to see it through. Yeah. like Which I totally get. I think, you know, when I, when I talk with people about, you know, behavior change, like that's the best way to kind of stick with something is, I mean, the, the terrible cliche is like burn the boats, right? But, mm. but the mentality of if you've invested time or effort or money into something enough, then it sort of justifies the continued effort. But... Yeah, um, I think yeah. it's so much um, easier to to just do it as like the side thing I just do for fun that I'm not taking seriously, even though secretly I wish I was. Yeah, I think it. I think it is a lot easier because then you can like, I don't know, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking you don't want it or whatever. Yes. Yes. And and then when things don't go well, it's easier to to abandon. Yeah, and go well, you know, whatever. I'm a I'm a lawyer or I'm a right a tech person i know a yep. lot of stand-ups who start like they're like and i think this has still a lot to do with um the barrier to entry mm. because there's a lot of people i know who do stand-up that like are in the tech industry or sure. i've seen like another friend of mine who is also a therapist does a little did a little stand-up when he was still living in the city and like you can since you can just show up to an open mic and then start getting booked on shows. If you know people, if you start networking, right. like it's a lot easier. And the same thing with improv. Mm -hmm. um, if you just start taking classes and then get on a house team, like it's, it's not like it's, you still have to like network, but it's not. Oh yeah. There's like, still work to be done. Yeah. There's no, there's no easy path. Yeah. But it's not like say auditioning for like insecure or whatever. Like there's a lot of hoops. You have to go through. right so there are like uh not not shortcuts but there are side route paths as opposed to the sort of all-in path yeah absolutely yeah. and it's yeah. like oh, this weird sort of like and this is why i think stand-up and improv isn't really taken seriously because the barrier mm. to entry is so low it's like yeah, almost it's like working, working class entertainment is how i think about mm. it yeah it's interesting because and, and I, I would certainly fall under that where i was like oh like this would be fun to try mm -hmm. and then auditioned for a troupe, got in the troupe, and now I've, you know, been performing at very small independent theaters for a couple of years. But I can say that I perform on stage, which is something that uh, a lot of people can't say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah. it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's, it's also nope. like yep. one of those things of like what, and this is something, because I do too many things. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> one of the things that I really sit with is like, what is the exact thing I'm getting out of this? project sure. yep. and if you're doing improv for fun and it's cathartic and you have a sense of community surrounding it that is also a very good reason to pursue it of course yeah and i think we get glimpses into the characters what they get from it as well mm -hmm. um you know they're all coming from different financial situations they're all coming from different um you know, uh, support systems. Um, and we see that especially true, um, when Bill this is sort of when the plot starts to shift, um, Bill played by Chris Gettard, his father passes away. Initially he, he gets into a motorcycle accident 
and the sort of the troop kind of comes around going to visit him and supports Bill through this this grieving experience. Um, but unfortunately, he does end up then passing away later on. Um, and that's when we get to see this sort of the troop as a family, which I think mm-hmm. there is a lot of value to to what you're saying, which is that, you know, it doesn't just have to be um, for uh, for your lifestyle, for your for your career, that there is this very much this sort of social bond thing that happens I, personally, especially in improv troops, um, but certainly within other uh, groups as well. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that absolutely has to do with the nature of like, you have to be an improv. Tr- I mean, you can do solo prov, but like, Oh, sure. God, you know, God speed to you. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like most of the time when you're doing improv, you're doing it with a, a group of people. And so I think yeah. by its very nature, you know, well, I will say Middle Ditch and Schwartz, uh, what they've been doing, oh and they, they just put out their special on Netflix Genius. is incredible. But for just two people, is really incredible. Yeah, it's astounding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also think it comes from the fact that you're making everything up, so you really have to trust each other. Uh, for sure, yeah. You cannot, you know, be like, oh no, here comes Jim again. Let's right. See, how is he going to mess this one up? Right. Yeah, so we see how they all kind of come together to support each other through various experiences. But when that starts to shift, as we mentioned before, when the the degree of success changes, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about the group of them. It's individuals are starting to kind of fracture off in different ways. So during one of their shows, uh, Weekend Live, uh, the, I guess, producers or, or scouts or somebody comes to watch one of their last shows. And they particularly like Jack, played by Keegan-Michael Key and uh samantha played by gillian jacobs so who are in literally a relationship, right who yes who are dating exactly right yeah, yeah. so, so another way that um that these things can can all end up yeah. and intersect with one another yeah um they they have a really good chemistry with each other because of that and they yeah. do a, a re- like a couple of really good scenes in a row and that's the unfortunate thing when you have like talent scouts it's like it's kind of random whether or not you hit you know what i mean of course especially with improv and stand-up Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can have one one off night as opposed to, um, you know, doing something that's that's consistent. Yeah, um, you don't yeah. suck consistently at either. Right. Piece. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Not, I mean, you do at the beginning, but like, you yeah, know. That's true. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, so so Jack and Samantha get the call up um, and this phone call happens in the middle of Bill finding out that his father has been in this serious motorcycle accident. So the group is literally supporting Bill through this traumatic experience when Jack and Samantha get this call. And then we start to see some of the different personalities come out because Jack is compelled to share his good news, even though it's very obvious that they're supporting the time. Yeah, man. Um, (laughs) You know, there's a lot of cringy moments in this movie that Bigley is also very good at, at portraying, mm. and this is for sure one of them. So we start to see the the group fracture. Um, mm-hmm. I have a question and for I you, think, if you don't. Yeah, mind. yeah, it's so so interesting. So to give the 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 listeners a little bit of insight, so one of the sort of um, hallmarks of of improv, and they they say this in the the sort of intro to the movie, is the concept of saying yes and right, like yeah. yes, this is happening. I agree with this premise, and I'm going to add to it. And for me, this is the moment when the group basically stops saying yes and to each other. So um, 
you know, Keegan-Michael Key, I'm sorry, his name is... Jack, right? Jack. Yeah. Jack Mercer. So when Jack says, you know, I got the audition, mm-hmm. I think almost, you know, within a half a beat, Miles doesn't come out and say no, but kind of says, you know, you don't deserve this to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, I think he, they all try to be happy for him. They all try to be supportive. They put on the happy face. <laughs> there is but... nothing worse than seeing an artist try to be happy for another one. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's you can see the pain difficult. in his eyes. Yeah. And as soon as Jack's out of the room, they're all kind of honest with each other. They're shocked. Yeah. They're confused. And, and, and that sort of develops from there. So, you know, that sort of shift. And I think that's why the group really starts to break down is because they stop saying yes to each other. They stop supporting one another in that sort of very obvious and mm-hmm. endearing way. Um, and, you know, obviously as a stand up and you've done different, different kinds of stuff, you know, the, the concept of having that support from people who are um, doing things similar to you is incredibly important. That sort of validation, that, um, that sense of appreciation of congratulations, but as you just said, there's, there's nothing more difficult <laughs> than being happy for someone else who, who's getting success, maybe that you would want. So yeah. is, that, is that an experience that you've had to any degree? I mean, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of stand-up comedians that I know blow up and or sure. like people like even like getting like Twitter famous briefly or what have you. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm man, just Twitter like, I get frustrated. Be- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just get frustrated sometimes because like I have opinions about you know, it really, it really just depends on whether or not I think they're any good. Um, right. Cause I have seen like people succeed and go, no, that absolutely makes sense. They should absolutely receive this. Whereas I've seen other people like, uh, um, but it is, it's difficult. It's a weird sort of feeling to have, but it is with the thing you have to remind yourself is like, no one's replacing anybody, really. I mean, I guess in this, you know, if you're auditioning for the same thing, yeah, that's I true. guess you're kind of, but like career wise, like there's so many weird roots to this mm-hmm. career and like nobody is like, no, like this, the stuff I'm doing isn't even exactly the same as someone like, of course, you know, that should be doing the exact same sort of stuff. But you know what I mean? Like on paper would be. So like, mm-hmm. you know, which is really what's nice about doing like stand up and stuff is because of the fact that you find your own voice. And yep. so you hopefully try to make that as, you know, clear as possible. And so you're going to stand out for that reason. Um, yeah, because I sort of wanted to ask you, you know, so mm-hmm. having experiences on different levels, how do you move through that to where you're no longer, you know, stuck being, I guess it's jealousy, I guess it's it's just frustration, mm-hmm. it's disappointment. How do you move through that? I mean, and maybe this is like not the best coping mechanism, mm. uh, but I make a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you, keep, you just keep at it. I yeah. just keep moving. Like, it's one of those things of like, I've gone to an audition and immediately had a podcast to record that day. So I'm like, I can't think right. about the audition I just did. And like, I've set up a series of those situations. Right. And I don't like I I know I overwork myself and that's the downside to it. And I know I take on too much sometimes. Hmm. Um, But that's like also an issue I have in general of like I doing everything to excess. Um, But. That's that's been a huge, huge relief is just to focus on like what you can control 
because you can't control someone else's success. All you can control is how hard you work. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, DBT, uh, dialectic behavioral therapy. In DBT, that we go through a whole different list of skills for various, you know, emotional blocks, right? Mm. So with something like this, I, I talk about people I work with about radical acceptance, right? And when I talk about radical acceptance, it's being able to move from sort of emotional trigger to some sort of next action. And I think that's what you're talking about. An action that in a lot of cases is probably healing to a certain degree for you to where when you're able to get right back to work, um, I think this, this is a broad you know, example as well, that that work brings you back to a, a next present, right? Yeah. So you're able to be into something else. Yeah. Not only that is, you know, for me, work, creative work, I should specify is soothing. It's, you know, it's the thing that calms me down the most. And that's one of the reasons I started it. You know, looking back, I was like, oh, I was terribly anxious. And Mm. then this made me less anxious. Um, So that always helps. And then also it brings you, you know, engaged to what you're doing. And then it also like if you're doing, if you're pursuing something like this, it better bring you joy like yeah and so immediately working on something else you know brings a little bit of that hit of dopamine you know you get that like nice high and then also you remember why you're doing it presumably which is also like a really the more you can reaffirm yourself of what you're doing why you're doing and that you should be doing it it helps yeah and improv especially uh, i think touches on this because i know for me doing sessions all day I'm, I'm definitely using a part of my brain whatever part that is is the exact opposite of improv in a lot really? of ways because well so for improv um i am allowed and encouraged to be fully mindful with whatever emotional experience comes to the top of my brain mm-hmm. and when i'm in session um i can certainly acknowledge and and it's even probably important for me to acknowledge my emotional responses to people that i'm working with um but the the sort of impulse has to be much less controlled yeah i have to be much more thoughtful much more um cognizant of the impact of what i'm going to say or the feedback i'm going to give or the question i'm going to ask to this person and how it relates to what they're working on Mm-hmm. Um, versus improv where I just get to tap into whatever impulse, good, bad, or indifferent, <laughs> yeah. it does not matter. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because I've had improv workshops where, you know, my troupe will be like, Hey, like, is everything okay? What's going on? Because <laughs> you've done like three characters in a row that all feel like they're not getting any credit for any of the work they're doing. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's really good insight. Okay. Um, yeah, I need to step back. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Because I, but I think there's value in that sort of a practice and sort of opportunity is that because we're we're so encouraging ourselves to be present, to be in the moment with whatever is happening, that there's so much value in and allowing that to happen. Yeah, I, I would say two things. One, one of the main reasons I love doing stand up and improv, and like a lot of my stand up, I end up riffing a lot because sure. Um, you know, I, uh, when you, when you're hyperactive, sometimes you just, you know, you can't help yourself. And so it's really, well, wait, and we should mention your, your one man show is manic impressive. So yeah, it's about bipolar disorder. Well. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, um, 
Yeah, and so generally about ten to five, ten. To, I would say about on average ten minutes of my hour show is just completely spontaneous. Mm. Um, but it is one of those things. Of, one of the reasons doing improv and doing stand up is so cathartic for me is that you get to like just open up your mind and go wherever you want. Yes. which is really really wonderful because you don't like i'm <laughs> during this whole you know during the shelter in place stuff um yeah. right before it i had really renewed my my desire to do more acting and so i kind of put stand up on the back burner for a little bit and then within the first like two weeks of the of the shelter in place i was like oh stand up was letting me get all that energy out that now oh, wow. is annoying my girlfriend <laughs> you know it's like well, yeah I, I was gonna ask you so so yeah so as this um movie moves on you know eventually this the theater does shut down so they do kind of their last couple of shows literally as jack mercer is ascending to stardom on mm -hmm. weekend live so you know things are starting to literally shut down for them and they're left to decide well what to do next what does the commune become next and they kind of splinter and some of them are working on you know, uh, they're, they're writing samples. Some of them are working on um, things in secret, we come to find out. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all just trying to find out where their next thing is going to be, if there is going to be a next thing. So for you, as you just sort of shared, um, have you been doing stuff throughout this? Obviously, you've been doing podcasts, but in terms of, you know, stand up acting, or, or have you been able to play around with new formats or anything like that? What's that process been like for you? Um, yeah, I have been. Um, I want to say something quick that just popped into oh, my please, mind yeah. um, regarding like uh, moving forward. The thing we're talking about yeah. is you see someone else's success. There is this huge part. And this isn't like <laughs> this isn't the nicest thing in the world. But if you see someone who is achieving success that you think you're funnier or better or more talented than that person, you shouldn't get bitter. You should be like, oh, if that person can do it, I can. And I think that's kind of a response that a couple of the people in the group have of like, they start working on their writing packets because they're like, yeah. well, if he can do it, <laughs> like the person we all agree isn't very good. <laughs> right. um, but anyway, um, going back to the being the changing of formats of like live performance, I've done a few Zoom shows. It's obviously not the same. And yeah, it's super, super different. <laughs> it's, uh, nor do I think it's like, I don't know. Um, and I, I, I've i seen uh, a producer, comedy producer, talk about this a lot of like, she will try to get, since she's a comedy producer, she still wants to be like in the know of like how people mm -hmm. are doing and what they're talking about, that sort of thing. So when this whole thing, you know, when they, the clubs start up again, she can book people that aren't, of course, you know, stupid or whatever. But the thing <laughs> is like, um, <laughs> uh, she's been noticing that it's like can you please specify in your description of your show whether or not it is actually going to be stand-up or just a podcast because i've gone oh, wow. to so many quote-unquote stand-up shows and it's just like a conversation where people are riffing as opposed mm. to like here is a set that i'm reciting to you because i've I written know jokes, jokes and i've done yeah. this yeah sure exactly um, but I've done a few Zoom shows, but the ones I've been done that I've done are all improv. So that's been fun and fine. Yep. Um, I've really upped doing the podcasts, the amateur detective club. We used to be every other week and now we're every week because we have the time awesome. to do it. Yeah. And like, I've, um, started making some 
short films that are just with me and like trying to figure out that um i was lucky enough to acquire some new equipment that i've been testing out for when this whole thing is over too so i can start making more things and i've been writing more um i wrote like i've been working on on writing packets and stuff like that great yeah um so it's like i i feel really lucky in as much as like i already knew how some online content worked as opposed to a lot of stand-ups i saw like immediately were like okay how do i do a podcast now i have to learn this starting from scratch Yeah. yeah i have to learn this new thing whereas i had been doing it for a bit and so i was like okay i'm just gonna keep on trucking um but yeah i've been also like working more on the video essays i hadn't done a video essay in probably over a year and then now i have the time to do that and i've like what what i've realized is this the the blessing of the situation has been the amount of time i've been able to like sit with myself and go what do i like to make and what can i Mm. make right now like i started painting again for gosh sakes you know like (laughs) i've been doing some painting as well yeah it's so cathartic it's like yeah. this is the only thing that's happening right now and cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, writing to me still feels like work, but if mm-hmm. I find a canvas and some paints, that is play. That's yes. just like whatever you feels like happening is okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and I think podcasting has been really great. It's been like a godsend because yeah. the two people with whom I host the amateur detective club like i see them i I see them over zoom or skype or whatever once a week so like i'm guaranteed that once a week i'm gonna talk to somebody and like get to interact with them which is such a huge thing right now especially now yes Mm -hmm. um i have a i have a question for you about i'd love to hear your opinion about this do you think the group in the movie um is codependent on each other so yeah, it's interesting because, you know, like I said before, they're they're they are so wrapped up in um, the degree to which they all sort of care, and at the outset, it feels like they all care the exact same amount, and they're all happy with mm-hmm. each other. And as soon as it's revealed that some of them uh, care more than they thought. Some of them pre- pretend or actually do not care as much as you might think they do given a weekend live opportunity. Um, and I'm putting care in quotes because, you know, whether she should or shouldn't care is up to her. Right. Um, Absolutely. yeah. Um, so as that breakdown's happening, it becomes very clear to me that their happiness within the group um, is dependent upon them all being equal within the group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. as soon as there's there's sort of discord within that, and it's not just about level of success. It's and I, I think there's a moment later on um, as things are breaking down more and more when one of the groups actually does also get a job with Weekend Live as a writer. Yeah, and now I'm trying to remember which character it is. Isn't um, it Chris Gethard or is it um, Mike's character? It's I think it's Mike's character. Uh, no, it's actually no? it's um it's Tammy uh, Sager. Um, she. Oh right, the one person like, I'm not familiar with. So I yeah, forgot yeah. was in this movie. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, no. She <laughs> so she is sort of the resident burnout, um, but she's also um like comes from a rich family, and I think acknowledges oh, right. throughout the, the movie that her you know. Uh, her parents pay for her to go to therapy twice a week 
and you know she doesn't have to get a job she's also on uh, unemployment and there's some there's some like undercover confusion and and um jealousy about that situation but as long as she's on the same level as them they don't really bring it up and it's just more like a side joke but as soon as she gets the job writing for weekend live and it reveals it's kind of revealed that oh she does actually care she does actually write she does actually try um that miles reacts to that like you don't even want this why are you doing this um because he's sort of faced with you know he's not the only person who who cares about moving up in the world yeah so yeah so there's definitely some codependency here um what we call in like a, a family dynamic situation as um you know enmeshment where they're all dependent upon the other um sort of feeling the same way about the problem mm. and as soon as that shifts it is shifted into chaos yeah yeah that absolutely makes sense and it also makes sense that that would be the case surrounding the theater closing because they all yes, have a united exactly. enemy and then the minute that that goes away yep you know yeah and that's why it's really interesting as we get towards the end of the movie that you know, the, the happy ending of this movie is not them all staying together in the commune. It's actually them all being happy moving forward separately. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what uh, uh, the uh, family or relationship moving past codependency looks like. Not that they have to break up. Not a family or a couple has to break up, but that they're capable of being independent and also, you know, in the case of the commune, remaining friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I did like that a lot. And like... Yeah. Because, I mean, a couple of them stay together and they start a new theater, right? And then other yes. people just go on and they're okay with that. Yeah, and- Sam, Bill, and Allison are starting a new improv group and in, in the theater that Bill's dad, I guess, bought. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all very excited and that you can kind of see them as the credits roll, like playing a game with each other. And, it, and it's and it's great. It's It's interesting as well of like, it is like what you want to get out of it. And I think that's a, kind of the thesis of or one of the ideas in this movie is that within entertainment, you get what you want, you know, you can pursue whatever you want. And, and I think that's, it's a good note to end on um, for the group. Yeah. Um, there was something I was going to say, gosh, what was it? Uh, nope. It's gone. It's gone forever. Gone well, no, it's because I think, you know, as, as it was, we all ra- also wrap up our discussion. I think the, the feeling that I ended on was this sort of sense of growth for all of them. Mm-hmm. They're all initially portrayed as, you know, as goofy and, and sort of immature. And, um, yeah. and as, as miles acknowledges, I mean, this group is all as a group of people who were in their thirties, which was painful for me as, as a person who's also <laughs> 35, about to be 36. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's actually the, the age that, Miles is accused of being like in his 40s, I think the girl that he's sleeping with says. And he says, I'm 36. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> um, because that's me. I'm, I'm also guy doing improv, uh, trying to, you know, you know, I, you know, I guess my secret desire would be like, I would also like to try stand up. I'd also like to do some comedy writing. Um, but, you know, I, well, I, yeah, I would say the difference is you're not like living with roommates in uh this is a terrible apartment although like... i have had some some wonderful experiences staying um in places with my improv troupe oh i'm sure <laughs> wonderful here being uh, another word for interesting <laughs> yeah yeah fantastic yeah i um 
Oh my gosh, I, I've done a couple of tours and like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's always. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, so, so they all grow, right? They all grow. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that growth has to be like giving up improv because I, I think I they sort of face that this thing of like we're all old. Um, Bill at one point says, you know, oh, I'm gonna screw up the quote, but like it's when you're when in your 20s, it doesn't matter if you care, and then in your 30s, um, I gotta look up that quote. I'm gonna post it on on Twitter or something because I'm gonna butcher it. But basically, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter if you care anymore because life sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's tough, but, but it all feels like at the end, they're able to move forward in a way that they, they kind of own and accept that, yes, improv is still something that's important to us, whether it's because we get to play or we get to, um, you know, teach local kids or, or grow, that there's a different level of acceptance with, with where they're at with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I also like that at the end, um, Jack Keegan Michael Key's character is also there with them, and as yes, is, um, even though he's a big celebrity now, yeah, exactly. And like, and this is also something I wanted to touch on, um, because this happens a lot where um, people will get success, and then their friends will be like, "Oh, but you're going to put my name in, right?" And yes, yeah, so that we, we we tries over to. that but yeah they all try to kind of latch on to him yeah yeah and jack to his credit tries and then his boss says you can't do that like you haven't even well like, not only that but then tell him he's cutting one of the sketches that he's in that weekend exactly <laughs> like, like punishing him for advocating for his friends yeah which you know i understand it's really difficult in this industry because people don't are willing to stick their necks out for each other because you do get situations like that and that shouldn't yeah. be the case and I think it's this, this is one of the reasons that, you know, um, the arts and entertainment breeds anxiety because you can't, I can't, you can't trust a lot of people, unfortunately. And it's this, you get this weird animosity. And I think the portrayal of that in this film is really, unfortunately, very accurate and is very frustrating. And it is also like, the problem isn't necessarily like with Jack, which is what everyone right. in the group assumes that he's not right. trying. The problem is with the system. And For sure. that's deeply frustrating that people have really good intentions, but they can't do much about it. Yeah. And, and they're each, they're each individual ability to accept the, 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 the face of that system mm-hmm. and, and, move forward within it or frankly without it. I mean, Miles essentially enters into a long-term relationship with a, a stepson with an old flame from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unclear if he's going to keep doing improv, but but that ability to move forward, to radically accept the system um, as opposed to just sort of getting emotionally blocked by it, I yeah. think really determines their each their individual ability to just accept and move forward in, in a way that allows them to be, still be content with what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good good lesson for us as well. I mean, you know, whether it's the COVID situation, um, in which case, you know, theaters and things are changing and, and events are changing and we can pivot to doing Zoom shows or pivot to um, doing writing, like our ability to find something else that sort of feeds that fire, I think mm-hmm. is so important. Um, absolutely. And it's easy to get sucked into the all the, the really difficult things happening, but 
Yeah. But like you said before, I think there's there's also lots of opportunities here. Yeah, uh, there's this Mark Twain quote that kicks around in my mind a lot, and it's do what you can with what you have and where you are. You know, so it's no matter what situation you're in, there's always something to be done. You yes. can always help. You can always help yourself. You can always help others. You can always pursue the things you want to pursue. A lot of the well, time, the only thing that's stopping you is you as an artist. Yep. And it's really sad because specifically people in their 20s have a hard time with that because mm -hmm. they're figuring out who they are. Yep. And it, it just makes it for a very chaotic time. It does, but our and and also like our ability to tap into that emotion, I think, is such a resource. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether you're a writer or a stand-up comedian, um, or an actor or actress, or just a person who is trying to survive, mm -hmm. our ability to acknowledge our emotional experience as opposed to avoiding it or or focusing on someone else, mm -hmm. it makes makes such a big difference in our ability to to move forward despite those circumstances. Yeah, there's that old you know it's the oldest say once you accept something then you can move forward that's right yeah <laughs> yeah that's a reason that's why the frets it's the first step right yeah um yeah so yeah well i hey i i love a good quote so i i think it's a good idea for us to end right there so mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah so um tristan where can everybody find you in uh on the internets or anywhere else mm -hmm. sure uh well we'll see where you can find me when this goes out um of course <laughs> in, in live um but you could go to tristanjmiller.com and i have if i have show dates they will be there uh, along with all my podcast info and then you can follow me on twitter at tristanjmiller1 um and i post a fair amount about like mental health and also some affirmations and i try to keep it very positive so if that's something you need right now uh check that out and then i'm gonna plug one more thing if you don't mind it's, no of course not um i have a patreon uh, which is patreon.com slash tristan j miller and um i have i do you get early access to the video essays that i do and then there's a couple exclusive podcasts that i do just for patrons um i do one with my dad called blank history month where we talk about a topic a historical topic um and that's nice. really fun and is a good you know opportunity to connect with my dad yeah um, yeah and then i do some like soundscapes and you know all sorts of stuff there um and most of that stuff's available at a book so Go ahead, check that out awesome. if you want. Yes, well, everybody, please check out all of Tristan's work. Um, when you when you say it all like that, you sound quite prolific, and it's a little intimidating. Um, <laughs> well, for a while, my mantra was like, "I don't need to be good; I just need to be making things." So like, I love that. Whether or not I love that attitude. Good is another yeah. thing. There's certainly a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, 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 hey, especially now, you know, keep you working, keep you moving forward. So mm -hmm. um, thank you for everything you're doing for this podcast in addition to all your others. Um, and thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was really great. All right. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>